Welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Hey everybody, it's your girl Wynne Ruffin, and I pray all is well with everyone, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for yourselves and everyone else all over the world, and for those of us who still find that loving everyone is just a hard thing to do with all that's going on around us, remember, when we love others, we are loving ourselves and the one living God that dwells within all of us, which is the life stream of all humanity, our mighty I Am Presence. And therefore, we cannot say that we truly love the one living God of all life and creation. Like many claim, if we are only loving bits and pieces and not the spirit of the living God, holy. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and life. And y'all be loved. The hills of earth rejoice, yea, the mountains shake their hoary heads with joy, for a new religion is born unto the sons of men. It is mightier by far than all other religions, for incorporated into it is the life of all. The awakening of the real self has made this religion possible. At present, it only appeals unto the few whose souls are filled with divine fervor, but on the morrow, when the multitude awake from their long sleep, it shall appeal unto all. Out of the peace and harmony of souls recognizing the real self and dwelling in the atmosphere of its consciousness, must this religion spring forth. These are the ones who recognize the beauty of truth as a whole and not simply in its fragmentary form. The great ethnic religions contain only fragments of the truth. But these fragments are so beautiful that man has mistaken them for the whole truth. Truth never dies, neither does it grow old, although changeless as the eternal one, its aspects are ever-changing. The form it assumes is ever suited to the age in which it is presented. Every religion that has outlived the age in which it was given to the world contains some fragment of truth of value to mankind. If one searches long and patiently, he may find this fragment of truth in every religion that still persists in the world. In order that his research may be rewarded he must be able to give a spiritual interpretation to the symbols and ceremonies associated with each and every form of religion. Nothing lives in vain and there must be a reason for all these religions living on in the world. Truth being in all, the reason is found in the persistency of truth. Now the world has waited long for a great cosmic religion that should absorb all the truth of the ages. Not only has the world waited long for a religion that should absorb all truth, but also for a new setting of the truth that will adapt it to the intellectual, moral, and spiritual demands of each and every age. It is also waited for a religion that would appease the heart hunger of all ages, and also one that would contain within itself a fountain of perpetual inspiration. Such a religion needs must be the center of the thought and life of the world. It must touch the humblest life as well as the most exalted. Under its brooding wings even the meanest may find shelter and the way that leadeth at last unto peace. 
To possess this religion in its fullness, one must be able to find the oneness of self with the infinite. When he senses this royal kinship of the soul, he can cry out, I am not of this outward physical body, therefore birth, suffering, sensual attractions, death, are not mine, since I am as eternal and changeless as own. This, the triumphant note of freedom that has rung down through the ages, heard and realized in its fullness by every awakened one of earth. What messiahs and sons of God have heard and realized, all earth shall hear, and all her sons and daughters realize. Wisdom of the Ages, by George A. Fuller, 1916 Isis Unveiled, Volume 2, Chapter 7 This search after truth leads us, indeed, into devious ways. Many are the obstacles that ecclesiastical cunning has placed in the way of our finding the primal source of religious ideas. Christianity is on trial, and has been, ever since science felt strong enough to act as public prosecutor. A portion of the case we are drafting in this book. What of the truth is there in this theology? Through what sex has it been transmitted? Whence was it primarily derived? To answer, we must trace the history of the world religion, alike through the secret Christian sects as through those of great religious subdivisions of the race, for the secret doctrine is the truth, and that religion is nearest divine that has contained it with least adulteration. Our search takes us hither and thither, but never aimlessly do we bring sects widely separated in chronological order, into critical juxtaposition. There is one purpose in our work to be kept constantly in view, the analysis of religious beliefs, and the definition of their descent from the past to the present. What has most blocked the way is Roman Catholicism, and not until the secret principles of this religion are uncovered can we comprehend the iron staff upon which it leans to steady its now tottering steps. We will begin with the Ephites, Nazareans, and the modern Druzes. The personal views of the author, as they will be presented in the diagrams, will be most decidedly at variance with the prejudiced speculations of Irenaeus, Theodoret, and Epiphanius, the sainted renegade, who sold his brethren, inasmuch as they will reflect the ideas of certain capitalists in close relations with the mysterious truces of Mount Lebanon. The Syrian Ocals, or spiritualists, as they are sometimes termed, are in possession of a great many ancient manuscripts and gems, bearing upon our present subject. H.P. Blavatsky The first scheme, that of the Ephites, from the very start, as we have shown, varies from the description given by the fathers, inasmuch as it makes Bythos or depth, a female emanation, and assigns her a place answering to that of Pleroma, only in a far superior region, whereas, the fathers assure us that the Gnostics gave the name of Bythos to the first cause. As in the Kabbalistic system, it represents the boundless and infinite void within which is concealed in darkness the unknown primal motor of all. It envelops him like a veil, in short we recognize the Shekinah of the Ensof. Alone, the name of Eau, marks the upper center, or rather the presumed spot where the unknown one may be supposed to dwell. Around the Eau, runs the legend, the eternal son Abrasax, the central spiritual son of all the Kabbalists, represented in some diagrams of the latter by the circle of Tifereth. From this region of unfathomable depth, issues forth a circle formed of spirals, which, in the language of symbolism, means a grand cycle, composed of smaller ones. Coiled within, 
so as to follow the spirals, lies the serpent, emblem of wisdom and eternity, the dual androgyne, the cycle representing Enya or the divine mind, and the serpent, the Agatha Daemon, office, the shadow of the light. Both were the loci of the Ephites, or the unity as Logos manifesting itself as a double principle of good and evil, for, according to their views, these two principles are immutable, and existed from all eternity, as they will ever continue to exist. This symbol accounts for the adoration by this sect of the serpent, as the savior, coiled either around the sacramental loaf or a tau. As a unity, Enya and Office are the Logos, when separated, one is the tree of life, spiritual, the other, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Therefore, we find Office urging the first human couple, the material production of Ilda Bath, but which owed its spiritual principle to Sophia A. Kamath, to eat of the forbidden fruit, although office represents divine wisdom. The serpent, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and the tree of life, are all symbols transplanted from the soil of India. The Arazamaram, the banyan tree, so sacred with the Hindus, since Vishnu, during one of his incarnations, reposed under its mighty shade, and their talk humanity philosophy and sciences, is called the tree of knowledge and the tree of life. Under the protective umbrage of this king of the forests, the gurus teach their pupils their first lessons on immortality and initiate them in the mysteries of life and death. The Java Alim of the sacerdotal college are said, in the Chaldean tradition, to have taught the sons of men to become like one of them. To the present-day Fochu, who lives in his Vomeyu or Temple of Buddha, on the top of Kuin Long Sang, the Great Mountain, produces his greatest religious miracles under a tree called in Chinese Sung Ming Shu, or the Tree of Knowledge and the Tree of Life, for ignorance is death, and knowledge alone gives immortality. This marvelous display takes place every three years, when an immense concourse of Chinese Buddhists assembles in pilgrimage at the holy place. Ildabath, the son of darkness, and the creator of the material world, was made to inhabit the planet Saturn, which identifies him still more with the Jewish Jehovah, who was Saturn himself, according to the Ephites, and is by them denied his Sinaitic name. From Ildabath emanate six spirits, who respectively dwell with their father in the seven planets. These are Saba, or Mars, Adonai, Sol, or the Sun, Evo, the Moon, Eloi, Jupiter, Astaphoi, Mercury, Spirit of Water, and Areos, Venus, Spirit of Fire. In their functions and description as given, these seven planets are identical with the Hindi Sapta Loka, the seven places or spheres, or the superior and inferior worlds, for they represent the Kabbalistic seven spheres. With the Ephites, they belong to the lower spheres. The monograms of these Gnostic planets are also Buddhistic, the latter differing, albeit slightly, from those of the usual astrological houses. In the explanatory notes which accompany the diagram, the name Sirentheus, the disciple of Simon Magus or Menander, and of certain other Gnostics, whose names are not to be met with in the patristic writings, are often mentioned, such as Parcha, for Ho, for instance. The author of the diagram claims, moreover, for his sect, the greatest antiquity, bringing forward, as proof, that their forefathers were the builders of all the Draconcha temples, even of those beyond the great waters. He asserts that the just one, who was the mouthpiece of the eternal Eon, Christos, himself sent his disciples into the world, placing them under the double protection of Sige, Silence, the Logos, and Office, the Agatha Demon. The author alludes no doubt, to the favorite expression of Jesus, be wise as serpents, and harmless as doves. On the diagram, Office is represented as the Egyptian Canufus or Kanef, called Draconchiae. 
He appears as a serpent standing erect on its tail, with a lion's head, crowned and radiated, and bearing on the point of each ray one of the seven Greek vowels, symbol of the celestial spheres. This figure is quite familiar to those who are acquainted with the Gnostic gems and is borrowed from the Egyptian Hermetic books. The description given in the Revelation, of one like unto the Son of Man, with his seven stars, and who is the Logos, is another form of office. H.P. Blavatsky The Nazarene diagram, except in a change of names, is identical with that of the Gnostics, who evidently borrowed their ideas from it, adding a few appellations from the Basilidian and Valentinian systems. To avoid repetition, we will now simply present the two in parallel. Thus, we find that, in the Nazarene cosmogony, the names of their powers and genii stand in the following relations to those of the Gnostics. Nazarene, First Trinity Lord Ferho, the life which is no life, the Supreme God. The cause which produces the light, or the Logos in abscondido. The water of Jordanus Maximus, the water of life, or a jar, Ishaman. Nazarene, Second Trinity, the manifestation of the first. 1. Lord Mano, the king of life and light, Rex Lucas. First life, or the primitive man. 2. Lord Jordan, manifestation or emanation of Jordan Maximus, the waters of grace. Second life. 3. The superior father, Abadar. Third life. This trinity produces also a duet, Lord Lee Doyle, and Fetihil, the genius, the former, a perfect emanation, the latter, imperfect. Lord Jordan, the Lord of all Jordans, manifests Nedupto, faith without works. Gnosticophyte, first unity in a trinity. Eau, the ineffable name of the unknown deity, Abraxas, and the eternal spiritual son. Unity enclosed within the depth, Bythos, feminine principle, the boundless the feminine principle. Unity in a trinity, enclosed within the circle, within which lies all ideal forms. From this unity emanates the second trinity. 1. Enia, mind. 2. Office, the Agathodemon. 3. Sophia Androgyne, wisdom, who in her turn, fecundated with the divine light, produces Christos and Sophia A. Kamath, one perfect, the other imperfect, as an emanation. Sophia A. Kamath emanates Ildabath, the demiurge, who produces material and soulless creation. Works without faith, or grace. Moreover, the Ephite seven planetary genii, who emanated one from the other, are found again in the Nazarene religion, under the name of the seven imposter demons, or stellars, who will deceive all the sons of Adam. These are Saul, Spiritus Venerius, Holy Spirit, in her material aspect, the mother of the seven badly disposed stellars, answering to the Gnostic Achameth, Nebu or Mercury, a false messiah, who will deprave the ancient worship of God, Sin or Luna or Shural, Kian, Kyvan or Saturn, Bel Jupiter, and the seventh, Narek, Mars. Codex Nazareus, page 57. The Christos of the Gnostics is the chief of the seven eons, St. John's seven spirits of God, the Nazarenes have also their seven genii of good eons, whose chief is Rex Lucas, Mano, their Christos. The Saptarishis, the seven sages of India, inhabit the Saptapura, or the seven celestial cities. What less or more do we find in the universal ecclesia, until the days of the Reformation, and in the Roman Popish Church after the separation? We have compared the relative value of the Hindu cosmogony, the Chaldeo, Zoroastrian, Jewish Kabbalah, and that of the so-termed heretics. 
a correct diagram of the Judaico-Christian religion, to enforce which on the heathen who have furnished it, are expended such great sums every year, would still better prove the identity of the two, but we lack space and are also spared the necessity of proving, what is already thoroughly demonstrated. H.P. Blavatsky The I Am Discourses, Volume 17 The loved ones of my heart, as we come closer into the atmosphere of Earth, you will feel us more and more each day, and as you enter into the release of your own expanding victory of cosmic Christ fire, you will become more and more one with us. It is necessary that mankind turn their attention to us and make the call. We have offered to come as close into the outer physical atmosphere as the bodies of the people can stand at the present time, but those of you who are using these activities of the cosmic fire and the violet consuming flame can prepare yourselves, you can prepare conditions around you to more quickly receive us than the majority of people in the outer world. In coming through the atmosphere of Earth, because of its density and its discord, we ourselves are clothed in certain powers of the cosmic fire. But even then, we have to lower the intensity of that to a certain point before we contact some of the conditions in the outer that need to be corrected. But the mass of mankind, if they want release and relief from this which is their own creation, then they must understand our reality, accept us, and call for us to come into their world of affairs and do for them what they cannot do for themselves. In the general acceptance of me in orthodox channels, they call to me through prayer and ask for help, but they do not call for my visible, tangible presence with them. Only an occasional individual has wanted to see me intensely enough to call with continued determination enough to cause the cosmic law to act so I might appear and reveal myself to them for the accomplishment of that which assists them. But since the Antichrist has, to some degree, been accepted by so many of mankind because of their human desires, then there must come the swing of the pendulum the other way, and there must come the desire for my visible, tangible presence with them. And that desire would cause them to make the call for my descent into the outer, that they might receive assistance. The Beloved Mighty Jesus the Christ Now when you understand the power of the great central sun magnet in the universe, and know that the power in your own hearts flame to reach up to that which is greater than yourselves and draw down its assistance to you, then the power of the great central sun magnet comes into outer physical action more quickly to release you because the feeling in the unfed flame in your heart is an action of the great central sun magnet that, if allowed to follow the attention with love in the feeling, would reach to whatever height of attainment you desired, and draw back to you that which love alone can give. There are certain gifts that cannot and never will be given to mankind, and cannot act in this world except the law of love be obeyed within the individual enough, to permit the action of the great central sun magnet to draw those gifts into your outer use. And therefore, as you acknowledge your expanding victory of cosmic Christ fire, which is the love from the great central sun that purifies all, then that will permit many things to come into your outer use much more quickly, than otherwise would be. Now I want to take you into the intense feeling of not only the reality of our presence, but the intense feeling of that unfed flame in your heart reaching up with the power of the great central sun magnet and its mighty love, to come to us and draw back that which our love wants to give you. If you will call for the outer self to be charged with the feeling of our outpouring of the unfed flame, it will more easily keep the outer self in a balanced condition that is continually aware of our presence, because you must feel us long before you see us. And most people do. 
It is not difficult at this time for us to make ourselves felt in you, by a sudden surge of the electrical force that all of you have felt from time to time. It is easy for us to charge a light ray in and around you, carrying our love to give you the actual physical sensation of that greater power which is within our love. We have all come to you through your feeling world many, many times. And you have been aware of us, you knew us, and you accepted that as the physical sensation changed. But if you were to take conscious command of the energy in your feeling world and command it to feel not only the reality of our presence, but the fire and the power of our presence in and around you to control conditions and keep them harmonious continuously until we came, our presence to you would come about very much more quickly. You see, so much takes place in the energy of the feeling world that mankind do not understand. But the cosmic law demands that it be obeyed, and therefore, your release comes in definitely taking the energy of your feeling world in hand and forbidding it to ever again register one vibration that is not the eternal purity of our love, and the power of our sacred fire. You can just as well order the energy in your feeling world to refuse acceptance to any vibration that is not our eternal love and purity and peace as you would close a door and keep out a draft or anything that you did not want. But it takes conscious command established hourly and daily, until the habit is set in the feeling world of being alert and aware that the moment discord approached, or there was the slightest indication of anything that is not perfection, the feeling world would instantly be charged with the vibratory action that would insulate it and refuse acceptance to any vibration from outer world conditions that is not the perfection for which you call. And if I were you, I would charge the energy of my feeling world many times a day with the fiery perfection of the ascended master's feeling, because this is your guard the beloved mighty Jesus the Christ.